Yo, and we're live, and we're live. Welcome oh to the to the Diran Diran Cartel Show. Welcome to episode thirty-five, and today I've got Mister Doctor Mike with me. What's going on, Doctor? So much is going on. What's going on with you? I'm just when I said Doctor, man. Oh, you got so much sex appeal when you're a doctor, you know. Shut up. Mate, you can use that so well if you wanted to, you know. Oh, mate, I knew I was like, this podcast is going to be so dangerous. All right, imagine that going to a bar. Hey, what's your name? My name is Dr. Mike. Uh, what's your name? Imagine, imagine how much, honestly, of an idiot you sound if you introduce yourself as Dr. Mike. That is no. so embarrassing. That's... I even, one of my pet hates about, about medic, like medical professionals and stuff are people who, like, and this is going to sound terrible because of what my name is on social media, but people who put the like doctor in their social media handle, I think that is awful. And I was forced into it because it was the only nickname I had to use. And I was like, this is so embarrassing because I don't want to use it, but I'm going to use it. And then it's there. And I still hate it a little bit, but it's, it is what it is. Mate, this is where you got it wrong. You know how you got to do it. Let me tell you. You got to get your friend to say it. <laughs> so this is this is uh, this is me and James go into a bar. I'm like James, yes, leave it with me. Oh, so what does he do? Oh no, he doesn't like to talk. Let me tell him. He's an author, you know. <laughs> He's a celebrity. James He's looking Sunday time. You go. I'm like, just shut up, man. You sound way less of a prick when I say yeah. it. So just leave it with me. But um, fair enough. You are first of all. Before we start, um, I have a question that I ask everyone, and this is very important. It tells me a lot about their personality. What is your Nando's order? Ooh, like this is this is like a massively a massive issue for me at the moment because <laughs> Nando's keep messing with my order. They keep changing their menu in ways that that does make me not happy. But I will say this before I go into what my order would be, Nando's is I would play I would say like the one place in the world yeah. where I could literally order anything on the menu except chicken livers. Yeah, and I'll be happy. Like the, even like the vegetarian stuff, yeah. I think in Nando's is incredible. And so um, my go-to order, it depends how it depends on like if calories are not a thing, then my go-to order is a chicken, like I'd say, medium chicken pitta with cheese and pineapple. Um, with yes, and everything. Like it is, but but then I'm like, I, if it's like. If I would, my, my original, like my diet order was always the avocado and green bean salad, which they got rid of. Yeah. And then, so switch to like a Mediterranean salad with two chicken fillets yeah. is incredible. And then they got rid of the Mediterranean salad, like, which is just, it blows my mind, yeah. blows my mind. I think at the minute they're going like up and down. What, what yeah. is, um, what's your background? So my mum is Lebanese and my dad is Syrian. Okay. Oh, you're Syrian. That's why you and me look alike so much. We can get away with yeah. being relatives. You're Syrian because you, you might even be a little bit Kurdish. Who knows? You know, it's possible. It's possible. It's, Who knows? It's possible. And you know what's like, you know, when you're um, from a culture, like, do you speak? Do you speak any other languages? A little bit. I, I speak a bit of Arabic. I, I understand a lot more than I speak. I'm not, I'm not great at speaking, to be honest. Yeah. I bet your family, um, 
grandparents, uncles, aunties, when you tell them you're a doctor and you're ethnic, it's such an honorable job, right? <laughs> but isn't it true though? They, they like it, they like isn't it. Isn't it true? Like when you go somewhere, like someone's feeling a bit, oh, Mike, come, 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 she's ill. Come, let me ask him, ask him, you know? <laughs> I remember um, my dad, right? You know, like when people get really old and you would notice like ethnic families, I think are way more um, emotional where they want more attention, right? especially as they get older. Mm -hmm. And so my grandma is at the age, she's like 95 or 96 oh, or something. Wow. Yeah. And she just wants, she just wants attention. She just wants attention. So my dad, when I bring friends over to my grandparents in Istanbul, my dad's always goes, pretends and fakes that my mates are doctors. <laughs> and, and he just goes, Oi, just tell her she looks good. She looks healthy. She's fine. And it works every time. That's amazing. She just, it's just like a placebo. She just wants that reassurance from someone. Isn't that mad? That's so nice. So it comes to my next question. Right. Do you feel like, do you do that all day to people when you're working? What, reassure them or tell them they look great? No, no, like reassure them, like reassure them with, because I feel like a lot of people when they go to GPs and stuff, me included, it's like, you, I kind of need that approval from a doctor to say that I'm going to be okay. Yeah, like like it's a really difficult one because I think that that is that's a big reason. It's a big part of our job, and it's a big thing that um, like people get a lot of criticism, don't they, for for like going to see the doctor when they don't need to and all of that kind of stuff. And and I kind of see it a little bit differently to a lot of people. I kind of think if anyone thinks they need to go and see a GP, then they need to go see a GP. Like. For sure, you can say that someone who's got like a little bit of a sore throat or something probably doesn't need to go to A&E. But in, when it comes to a GP, that is like, you know, it's it's a low level of intervention. It's booking an appointment with somebody. You should be able to, to talk to talk it through with people. And it's kind of your job. It's your job to reassure them if there's if there's nothing wrong with them. I get pretty frustrated when like, you know, like when friends say they went to see a GP and they felt like they just dismissed it and just said, uh, like there's nothing wrong with you you shouldn't yeah. be here or whatever I kind of think that's not really what we're there for we're there to you know if there isn't something wrong with someone it's kind of our job to to help them believe it because you know there is a lot of health anxiety around but yeah. it's not that surprising when you consider that every advert on tv is telling people to go and see your gp if you've got this and it's like if you've got this it could be cancer you need to go and see your gp now and so like you, you're kind of giving people mixed messages and you can't you can't do one without the other you can't expect to see only sick people because then you'll be missing you'll be missing half the problems true that's a very fair point do you feel like all the ads that you're talking about and that stuff, do you reckon it can cause a lot of anxiety for people? I think it, I, I think that, that it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to balance because basically some people really need to see those adverts because there will be people out there who have had symptoms for a really long time that they're not getting addressed and that they're not getting looked at and they won't go and see a GP and those adverts can really help those people. And then there's people who are, um, who are you know really anxious about stuff and then the minute they see an advert like that it makes it worse it's a bit like when you talk about stuff like fitness and diet advice on on social media it's a bit like you don't need to tell everyone to lose weight like not everyone actually needs to lose weight but if you go on instagram everyone is going to think that they need a six-pack to be healthy because that's what everyone sort of seems to be talking about all the time like yeah. it's different messaging for different people i think it's really hard to get it spot on and that's like a yeah. like public health is just mad job yeah. like it's a tough thing to get right 
do you um so you're a gp you're also quali- you're also a qualified trainer right a qualified gp trainer though not like a pt okay cool i feel i feel like that's a lot harder to get than a six-week course so well like so, <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so i feel like you deserve more credit than the way you just responded bro <laughs> well, like because it i yeah so i um basically it just means that i've done an extra qualification in education and so i i like i train up g like doctors who are already doctors but they want to specialize in general practice so like i will have i'll be like a supervisor for them and i also like like help run the training scheme as well so we do like the actual sort of teaching sessions and things as well so like it's a bit of yeah there weren't enough characters on my instagram bio to put like more be trainer so i just put trainer but a lot of people think it think I mean that it's that I'm a PT, which I've always like thought about. I, I keep thinking about like, should I just do a PT course? Like I kind of want to, kind of want to do it. But I feel like with your qualifications, mate, I mean, there's, mate, there's, there's people that are not qualified personal trainers giving online coaching. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure as a GP, you'd be fine if you were to, I mean, do something, you know, and as, as what does it take to become? A GP. What does it take to become a doctor? Like, so, I, actually, I actually don't know the process. Okay, so it, it's it's a lot, a lot of it's often misunderstood actually what you do because a lot of people think if you don't specialize in something, then you're automatically a GP, but that's actually wrong. Okay. So basically, you go to medical school, and medical school is essentially university, and you do um, it's a five year course, or you can tag on an extra year and you get a BSc as well. So you can do a BSc in something else, like. it can be anything so I did my BSc in history of medicine so I've got like a kind of a partial degree in history basically oh sick which blows my mind because I can't remember any of it but (laughs) um, and so that was six years and then you do two years of what's called foundation training which is when you're working so you're being paid to work as a junior doctor on like on the hospital wards you go on rotations um, and you do that for two years and then you pick what you want to specialize in so whether that's like medicine or anesthetics or like emergency care or um, GP. And so the GP scheme is at the moment three years long. Um, So like start to finish from 18 years old, it takes 11 years to get to being a GP. So you do for GP training, you do two years of of more rotations in the hospital and then a year of general practice. So a lot of work. It's quite a lot of work, but at the end of the day, like it's, like you get paid for that work. So you don't get paid obviously for medical school, but that's just university. Like that's just yeah. fun and loads of studying. Yeah. And then when you're working and when you're training to become a GP, you're still like, you're still going to your job every day. You're still getting your salary every month. So it's not, it's not quite the same. You do have to do exams and assessments and stuff like that. Yeah. But it yeah. sounds like that it definitely does. I quote again, sound a bit more difficult than a six week PT course. <laughs> well, it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> It's all right. But you know what, like, um, I obviously know, like, with, uh, I don't actually remember the last place I was doing face to face was Australia. Yeah. And you had to keep up with certain points to stay qualified as a personal trainer, which I think is great. Like, you have to do a certain amount of like courses or whatever to stay up to date yeah. with. I actually don't even know if that's happening in the UK anymore. But I think it's, there's so many ways around it, and there shouldn't be. Hence yeah. why there's so many like, bad personal trainers is there any way you could get around that being a gp yeah yeah i, I mean really? i think well i think like like not not as much anymore i think i think yeah. historically there was a lot of a lot of ways that you could do stuff but then 
with all of the things that have happened and the controversy that have happened with certain like doctors who have done terrible things, yeah. I think they've tightened up on the lot on a lot of the regulations. So every year you have to do you have an annual appraisal. That, so basically, a GP who doesn't work with you, you yeah. meet up with them and you show them your portfolio of like all your CPD, like exactly the same as PT. Like you have to do fifty hours of CPD and you have to demonstrate like that you you're you know that you you're getting feedback from patients, you're getting feedback yeah. from your colleagues as well to say that you're like not bad. Um, and then every five years you get revalidated by the General Medical Council. And actually today I just got revalidated for another five years. So that's pretty exciting. Congratulations. Thank you, mate. What a, way, what a way to celebrate on my podcast. Yeah, exactly. I quite agree. It's uh, the biggest anticlimax. I didn't even know it was happening. I just got an email going, hi, you're still a doctor. Carry Amazing. on. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. If they did that with PT, there so many people getting emails going, hi, you are no longer <laughs> a personal trainer. Um, so that podcast that we did, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that. That I really enjoyed podcast, that last okay, podcast. Yeah. That's why I like I wanted you to come on because I feel like you've got so much to say. I I talk a lot. Like I I quite like speaking, which yeah. is yeah, maybe. which is which is why I wanted you like this because when there was uh five of us, yeah, five of us. Yeah. Uh especially with Smith's gab as well and mine as well, it was like overload. So it's like you can't really squeeze in or go into conversations or a depth of conversation say you may have wanted some more and one thing i saw on your social media and uh you you did a post about um i wrote it down actually fat loss doesn't fix your flaws what 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 do you mean by that well like i just think i can't remember now that was ages ago but basically like i think that that a lot of the time people sort of see fat loss as this like as this be all and end all of of what their problems are I, I, we see it a lot like i think people people think it's gonna make them happy if they lose weight they think it's also gonna like you know it, they even the way that people talk about it they talk about it in a really moralistic way like oh i've been really good today or i've been really bad today and it's always related to stuff like fat loss it's always related to that sort of you know, that idea that like, if we just become thin, everything will be great and we'll be loads better at everything. And also we'll be loads, like we'll automatically be loads healthier and our diet will be better. But like, you know, we know that, you know, I know that my diet isn't always healthy, even though I might know that my diet will lead to me not putting on weight or to losing weight or whatever. Um, and I think that there's just this, like, there's this real moral issue and I think we see it like everywhere around health wellness all of those sorts of things it's like it's like you know and I re remember this from like when I was really overweight when I was I've been waiting to use this hashtag when I was feet up 24 7 <laughs> I I was like I was basically you would look at these like wellnessy sort of people and you just think oh I hate you and the reason you would feel that way is because everyone seemed so smug and so like moralistic about everything that they just yeah. you felt like everyone thought they were better than you because they like drank kale juice or whatever <laughs> and actually like it just made you want to rebel against it more and just go well actually I'm having a pizza like you yeah. know it's just and I, th I think that the sad thing about that is that a lot of those things and it's it's what we talked about with regards to stuff like IFS is that a lot of those people are just helping themselves. They're just convincing themselves that what they're doing is right. They're just 
sort of high-fiving each other rather than going, oh, how can we actually improve the world? How can we improve public health? How can we help people change? We're not inspiring them by drinking kale juice and posting photos of it on Instagram because no one no. wants to do that. No, I feel like um, a lot of people get really intimidated by that sort of, because I think good looking people, people that are in shape, confident people can be very intimidating yeah. to um, people that are the polar opposite. Yeah. And I think the biggest difference and the biggest way you can make an impact as a coach is be approachable in that sense and and the fitness industry in general is not that approachable even to the state where you're at an event you're a fitness event or even like an influencer event and someone looks at you and uh, like another social media person or whatever they know who you are Mm -hmm. right because you've seen them pop up in your story yeah you know you see you've seen them right yeah and they know who you are but they're like, they don't want to say hello because it might affect their ego. It, mm. it, it, who's the bigger man? Who's going to say hello first? Luckily, I've got none of that issue. I just go over and say, what's going on, bruv? How you yeah, doing? Exactly. Remember, that, remember that time I called you out or something like, and <laughs> it's the funny thing, I'll do it because I feel like yeah. everyone is, a lot of people, although like even me or Smith or whoever may come across maybe sometimes aggressive online or social media. It's more so to get someone's attention to actually discuss the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you discuss the problem, you find that most people, especially when you're face to face are yeah. so level. They're so yeah. level. Yeah. You think so? Do you think- yeah, definitely. And I, and I think like a lot of the time, people think they disagree with each other on social media, but sometimes I watch these conversations and I just think you're saying the same thing. You're just saying it in a very slightly different way. Like you're actually, you're creating an argument out of nothing. And I think that that's because sometimes it serves people to argue, but sometimes I just think that social media communication can create discord quite easily anyway. But you know what, like something that I, that really struck me massively about like when I, when I first started getting into wanting to lose weight and wanting to um, like do fitness, I started following loads of, of fitness accounts and stuff on social media. And I sort of, I expected that I was like, look, I, I don't like these people, but I want to, I want to learn from them. So this is like necessary. And I was actually massively struck by how nice everybody was. Like they come across in all of these posts as really kind of, you know, slightly abrupt and slightly arrogant and slightly cocky. But actually the minute you engage with them, I found I hardly ever had any problems with anyone. And like quite the opposite, people would be really encouraging. People would be really helpful. And like, I remember the first time I posted, like this was back in the days of Twitter. I posted a video of my first like, barbell squats I'd never done it before and I'd been taught how to do it by my PT and I did it in the gym and I took a video and I posted it and it was like you know I think 30 kilos or something like that yeah and I was having like it actually ended up causing this massive twitter war between this like competitive bodybuilder and this PT who then started offering each other for a fight because they disagreed with comments each other was making about my technique and like but what they were saying to me was really really nice like they were they were giving me like really amazing encouragement and then but then one of them goes yeah but don't listen to that other guy telling you to put plates under your feet that's nonsense or whatever and then they started having a massive row with each other but I was just like oh how come everyone's being so nice to me and like you would think that they'd be like oh my god this guy's squatting only 30 kilos but actually like 
that's just in my head. And I think that's half the problem as well, is I think when you come from that place of feeling intimidated, I think it's often a problem that you've got with your own confidence and with how you think that the world is going to perceive you. And actually, in reality, the world isn't that bothered about you. The world isn't bothered that you can only squat 30 kilos. The world wants to help you a lot of the time, but but it's kind of you almost hide it away from people because you're embarrassed about it. And I was I, like I was blown away by people's like, generosity and kindness. And I think that's the thing. If you're genuinely into fitness and you're genuinely into exercise, like when someone comes to you and wants to talk about something you love to you, you'll be like, yeah, bring it. I want to have a chat about that, won't you? Like, because that's, it's natural to talk about the things that you enjoy talking about. Mate, I, I'm after this, I've, I've got plans to meet up with someone just to help them with their fitness stuff because nice. they're starting from like zero. And I'm like, fucking hell, I want to change this person's life because yeah. they have no idea. And they've shown me PTs that they've worked with and I've gone, shit, okay, no. You don't need that. You need a whole different approach because yeah. that's not working for you. And I can't wait to blow your mind when I chat to you, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. And I just like love it because you tell people certain things in a certain way and you can see it click in their head. You're like, boom. And they're like, no. Yeah. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and you get that thing where you're like oh my god i've got so much to tell you i don't know how to do it fast enough like i just want to tell you everything in one Mate, go i'm such like i'm dyslexic i'm a visual learner i struggle to get my i'm like a you know how you know you know how kanye west is like he's like he's like taking giving so much information out but what a lot of things that he's saying are very valid but i think yeah. sometimes the way he says it can come across wrong or maybe yeah. aggressive or whatever it is i feel like sometimes i'm like that not to that extent but like where i just mumble and then and i'm like okay no i've got to bring it back yeah I've got to bring it back but i'm um, going back to what you were saying about like the fitness industry and stuff do you think i think a lot of the people that are a lot of the people people are intimidated about Mm -hmm. the bodybuilders and whatever i actually think not even think i know i think a lot of them are really insecure i mean i think like i think i think everyone's insecure and i think that, that if we all realized that a little bit then i think that people would find it a lot easier to interact with one another um and i don't know like i often find like you know i think if you approach people from an like from a completely non-threatening completely respectful point of view you will rarely find the problem with them and you see this like at so many levels like there's loads of people who have a reputation for being argumentative on the internet that people will be like oh i can't believe you follow that person they're like they're really <laughs> arsy to everyone and then you'll yeah. be like but they've always been really nice to me um and i think that sometimes like it takes two to tango sometimes i think and that's a really important thing i think that that we all have a bit of an ego and we all have our insecurities and we all have things that trigger us on social media. And if you get triggered by something on social media and you respond while you're triggered to it, even if you think you're being polite and you think you're just, just having a friendly chat with someone, chances are you're probably being a little bit passive aggressive. They're probably going to pick up on it. They're probably going to be a little more passive aggressive back to you. And then before you know it, you're just in the, like this flame war, which is just, it's not worth it. Yeah. And I think that like, I think you're right. I think there is a lot of insecurity in the fitness industry and I think it applies to everybody. And I think that like that, that you can either take someone's insecurity and make them feel worse about it and, or you can take it and, and recognize it and like be nice to them. And actually they'll probably will be nicer to you back. Yeah. I think 
you made a really valid point about everyone's insecure. I think that's so true. There's stuff that I'm insecure about. Definitely. I don't, I don't, I don't go around talking about it on my story, do I? Everyone yeah. goes to me, Darren, you're so confident. You're so this. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's because I'm talking about things. I'm very confident. Exactly. If you put me, put me in an office, right? And tell yeah. me to do an admin job, something to do with Google Sheets, you will see yeah. the opposite Darren where yeah. he's like, oh my God, I feel like a complete idiot here, exactly. right? And exactly. it's, we all have insecurities. And I think, like you said, the moment everyone accepts that, whether whatever topic it is, people need to understand that we can actually all learn things from each mm -hmm. other, no matter what level you're at, no matter how many thousand followers you have or whatever it is. Like there's so many things that I learn from my clients every time I have a discussion with them through like when I do my group Zoom calls. Yeah. They say something and the minute they say something, it, it triggers something else in my brain that goes, oh my God, that's why. Yeah. That's why. And yeah. people should be helping each other out like that. And I want to talk to you about counting calories. Right. What, what is your opinion on it? I've never actually spoken. I, do you feel like it's um, positive, negative? It can be both. Because there is always this debate about counting calories and people are like counting calories causes this problem, this problem and this and that. What is your opinion on it? I wanna, from, so, a doc, from a doctor, I want to know from Dr. Mike. Right. So first of all, I've got to preface this with like, I've done every diet going, like I've tried everything on my, on like my journey to, to losing weight and stuff. Yeah. Counting calories is my favorite. I love it. I think it's the best. And that is because it works for me. Now, you could argue that maybe it's not working for me because actually there, there might be certain ways that I still that I still consume food that is maybe not healthy psychologically. Yeah. There's definitely definitely disadvantages to it. And I can see why some people have problems with it. But I've struggled to move away from it because for, for a few reasons. So I think if you want to lose weight, then there's there's two ways of doing it. You either eat different types of food, which are naturally like higher in volume and lower in calories. So you either cut out types of food and do, you know, just eat like, you know, whole foods and all that kind of stuff, which is boring. I can't do it. I've tried it. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Or you track your calories so that you can factor in foods that you enjoy and that actually you can you can remain happy. Now, if you if you like, if you're not that bothered by cake and stuff then cool, you can do, you can probably eat fairly intuitively, you know, and still lose weight. If you, if losing weight is important to you, which it doesn't have to be important to everyone as we know, but also enjoying food is important to you and you really like those types of food, then like tracking calories is your friend. Like, and the reason I'll say it's problematic is there have been times in my life when I have been losing weight and I have thought to myself, do you know what? If I just don't have my broccoli with my lunch and I don't have my broccoli with my dinner, then I can have a Solero in the evening instead because that's only 98 calories. Yeah. And like that is a bit of a problem because you're going like, okay, so on one hand, if your biggest, if the biggest threat to your health and to your longevity is the fact that you are morbidly obese, then the amount of broccoli that you're consuming is probably the least of your worries. You probably yeah, yeah. want to try and lose weight. Like that's probably going to be a healthy thing that you can do for yourself. So in the, in the early stages of that happening, 
it's probably more important that you're in a calorie deficit than that you have enough broccoli because you're probably getting the nutrients from other things or you can supplement it or whatever. But if you are at the stage like I am, where you've lost a significant amount of weight and actually you probably need to just start working on like how healthy your diet is and things like that, you probably want to be making sure that you're eating plenty of fruit and veg and getting your fiber in and all of those sorts of things, because there's other health implications that, you know, you're now no longer so much at risk of the, the health implications that you were at risk of before, but you might be at risk of other things that, that might happen if you don't address like your dietary issues. So if you're only eating Soleros and you're not eating any broccoli and you're, you know, that's not cool. Um, and so I think that it, it quite clearly, like people can become obsessed with it. I think there is, there is a tendency to, 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 get a bit over the top with it but i don't know it, it depends where you're coming from it depends on your personality and it yeah. depends on your goals yeah. and like i'm not anyone to sit and tell people what their goals should be if they want to yeah. lose weight then cool if they don't want to lose weight also cool yeah. you know there's there's so many different ways to skin a cat and i think people have got to find what works for them but i do get frustrated when people are like diets are really dangerous you shouldn't diet you know i think that it's okay to say diets aren't risk-free like there are risks associated with dieting it is not 100 safe for everybody to do sometimes just, just like there is with everything else exactly exactly right. so i think like it's cool to, to to have a warning and to have a disclaimer and to say look this might not be for everybody but in the same way that just because i've had great results from weight loss like weight loss has has had a, a greatly positive impact on my life in so many ways um I can't then, I shouldn't then go and say, everyone needs to lose weight because this was great for me because then someone else who, who does exactly what I did might end up with disordered eating or even an eating disorder. You know, it, it's not one size fits all. So in the same way that I'm not gonna tell everybody that they need to go out and lose weight, I don't think all of the people who have had disadvantages of dieting should be telling everybody that they mustn't diet. But I think there's room for, you know, there's room for maneuver. I think people need to understand that there's, pros and cons basically that was yeah. a really long way of saying oh mate it, it was a very clear because i feel like people need to hear that from from a doctor i think they do because the problem is like no matter what yeah i'm a personal trainer and it, the stuff that i'm saying i'm saying the same thing as you completely pretty much exactly the same thing because like yeah. you i have done every other diet out there i used to have weight issues when i was younger my parents had zero knowledge hmm. about nutrition it was a matter of they're refugees they didn't eat what you can because you never know what you if you if we might get it again do you know what i mean so it's like there is you don't you don't have that sort of mentality but um i feel like like you said with the people that said you shouldn't do this i feel like no one should tell anyone what they shouldn't do yeah. do you know what i mean and i think that's one of the craziest things like being narrow-minded for mm -hmm. example i think counting calories is the best way yeah. now if you want to meal prep and do meal plans, that's fine. I'm not going to advocate that with my clients. But if that works for you, then that is fine. I feel like the biggest issue, not just with fitness, with anyone, any opinion, is as soon as someone has a conversation with you and or any expert, any fitness industry, whatever, when you answer something and you answer it with only one direct answer, I think that person is shit at what they do. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that any, like you need a little bit of life experience to understand it. And, and the, like, I feel kind of fortunate in a way because 
before I got on to, well, in fact, when I first started losing weight, I just did calorie counting. I didn't know anything about macros or anything, but I just used the MyFitnessPal pre-calculated amount and that just kept yeah. going down and down and I couldn't do it anymore. So someone said, oh, why don't you try paleo? You can eat more calories and still lose weight. So I did that. And the first, the first, like the first, well, I did it for a month and I yeah. thought it was the most amazing thing because I had lost I'd lost a kilo every two weeks for like six months just from calorie counting. And then I did paleo and I lost something like four kilos in a month. And I was like, whoa, I found the secret. Now, there were two things that were happening in that month on reflection. One was that I'm so lazy that eating paleo just meant I stopped eating because I was like, I'm really hungry, but I can't be bothered to go and cook. So I just, I'm not going to eat anything or I'll just eat jerky and I don't really want to eat jerky because I've had enough of it. So let's yeah. just leave the food. Um, so that was happening. And also I started running as well. So I think my, like my exercise was a lot more like calorific. I hated it, but I was doing it because I really wanted to yeah. lose weight. And so like, but in hindsight, I put it all down to the fact like this magic of paleo. So then I got to this, this idea that like, once I saw the light when friends of mine were like, look, you don't need to do this. I was, I was like doing, I was basically doing restrict for like a month and then just falling off the wagon and then restricting and then falling off the wagon. And it was like, it wasn't pretty at all. Like that was, you know, when people talk about the side effects of dieting and the, the dangers of dieting, I was heading in that sort of direction because I was yeah. like, I've got to be good. I've got to be good. And then every time I failed, I was like, I've messed up completely. I might as well eat everything. And you know, it was a real problem. But basically, like, going through that period of being so certain that paleo was this special magic, even as like this educated supposed doctor who's been through like 11 years of training, that I can be so easily fooled about stuff like that, was really powerful, because it, it allowed me to be open minded, because once I realized how much of an idiot I'd been about it all. And I'd, I'd done that. I told people, oh, you've got to try paleo. It's so great. Yeah. Like, you know, and I just, every just time. Just to confirm, the paleo, uh, can you tell people what you had to do in the diet? Okay, so the premise of paleo is that that human beings were evolved to to be humans at a time when only certain foods were available. So the idea that all grains are basically forbidden because they were only invented later. So we're not, we're not designed to digest them. So it's, you basically cut out any processed food, any refined sugar at all, but other types of sugar are okay. And then also um, like, so it's basically, I mean, in terms of a diet, like it's, it, it's, it's a good healthy diet. It's, it's yeah. meat, fish, um, loads of vegetables, fruit, um, nuts, eggs you know like normal food basically but just you're not allowed anything fun the mad the mad the mad thing is like that month as well you would have cut down a lot of your carbs right and what a lot of people forget is like one gram of carb holds on to like three grams of water exactly. so like probably a kilo and a half or two kilos of your weight that you dropped is probably just water weight <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and so like the best the best thing that i ate on the paleo diet was this thing have you heard of chocomole I think I have, yes. There's chocolate mousse made out of avocados. Yeah. So it's basically like a million avocados, loads of dates, loads of agave syrup, and loads of cocoa powder oh. and cocoa butter. And it's all blended together. So it's probably the most calorie dense thing you can imagine. But you can, I can eat as much of this as I like because it's paleo. 
and and I think that you know that's where it, it goes wrong but but basically like just the knowledge that you know if I if I can mess it up that much then surely everyone can and also I can't expect everyone not to yeah. so that understanding took away like and again we talk about insecurities on stuff on about stuff on social media people are so insecure about being wrong so they're scared to change their minds when people argue with them but i've been so wrong that you've got no choice but to own it and to go yeah i thought that i was an idiot but actually i can use that knowledge and that information that's allowed me to progress and to understand people in a way that other people might not understand them. So if you've just qualified, if you, you know, if you've only tried or if you've never had to diet and you've never had to do any of that stuff because you've always just been naturally lean and really enjoyed exercise and stuff, then I think like I think you need a little bit more life experience to be able to recommend more than one day of more than one way of doing things. And I think that's where people go wrong a little bit. 100%. That's why I'm always like when a lot of people, well, you're the same when people come up to you with a certain issue of for weight loss or whatever it is you've been for it you understand it therefore you can relate to them in a way and tell them in a way that you would have understood yeah yeah you know which i think makes the difference between people that are good at what they do and people that are just starting and people that are still trying to find their feet with um yeah yeah with um we've been a do- one of the reasons i like you is especially after that podcast is like there's a lot of doctors out there on social media that are like putting out bullshit, bruv. Like just annoying. Do you know what I mean? Like just annoying, man. Like people that have come out of Love Island, people that are doing some madness. And it's just like, I don't know. Uh, it's just not my vibe. Uh, maybe I didn't, maybe they're not my sort of person, but w- what's your opinion on those people? Cause I feel like they're, they're monetizing the fact that they're a doctor putting it together with an ad and like, do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion that goes on amongst medical professionals and how we feel about it. Now I'm like a little bit more old school because like, I'm no longer a junior doctor. I've, I've trained for a long time. I've completed my training. I'm established like in my position. Um, And like, I'm a, like, I feel myself to be very visible as a doctor, like in the sense that, I work in a relatively small suburban area. Um, I'm people's named GP, like I'm their named person that's responsible for their care. And so I feel like a lot of responsibility with regards to the type of stuff that I put out on social media. Yeah. Um, And like, you know, I'm lucky in a way that social media wasn't around when I was at medical school and when I first qualified, because I don't know what I would have been like at that stage. And I think that it's very, very tempting. It's a very tempting environment. Like, you you know, you get those emails from people going, you know, do you want to, can we send you stuff or can you, can you do a post about this? And we'll talk about, you know, all the spam emails that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't know what's going on, you could really, really be taken in by it. And and like, I don't ever want to, like if I see other doctors doing it, I'm more than happy to like message them and to go, look, you know, maybe this isn't the direction that you want to go in. And I've had lots of those sorts of conversations with people. Um, I think you, you just got to be really careful because I think when you use, like when, pe- when you use people's trust to sell them something, 
that's a really, really troublesome position to be in. So you need to be sure that what, like, if you're going to do that, which I, I, I feel like I'm in a very fortunate position that I don't need to do that. I love doing reviews of stuff. Like I love talking about protein bars that I like. And if there's, if there's products that I enjoy, yeah, I will always post about them because I enjoy them. Not because, and I think other people might enjoy them, not because I think they're going to make them feel better or whatever, or they're going to have medical benefits. Like, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of really blurred lines and it's very, very difficult to, to traverse them. But I think if you are using someone's trust to sell them something, there's a, there's a little bit of a problem. Now, if what you're selling them is like, like let's say, for example, if you're doing private practice and you're selling them your expertise or like consultations or whatever, like yeah. I have no problems with that. But I, I don't think that a doctor needs to be like sponsored by a supplement company to sell like fat burners or whatever. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's it just, it, there's no, it's, there's no need for it. And I sort of feel that patients deserve better because actually they, you want to go to your doctor and trust what they say. And I have enough of a problem. Like I get nervous before going on podcasts and stuff on about what people are going to talk about, because I think like, is it going to look unprofessional? Like I know that some of my patients follow me on, on Instagram and stuff. So I feel really like, you know, and I, 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 I'm not massively serious. Like I, I do jokey stuff and I take the mick out of myself and I do like, you know, I, I post normal things and I don't think that doctors shouldn't do normal things. I don't think that you shouldn't go out and be in a bar or whatever. I, like, I yeah. think that all of that's fine when you're not working. But I also think that, like, let's say if you want to go and see your GP um, and he's going to give you some bad news about you or your relative and or you want to confide in them about something that's really personal to you. Yeah. And you saw him last night, like at 2 a.m. hanging out of a bar or, or you saw him selling fat burners. Like, it just, it changes the relationship and the respect that you're gonna have for that person. And I, I think that people deserve not to have to worry about that when they go and see their GP yeah. or not to have to worry that their GP is gonna use them as a story that, I mean, that's really like, you know, forbidden, but you know, the idea that you might go on Instagram and go, oh, I saw this today or whatever, which has happened. Oh. Like doctors have done that on, you know, have told stories and, and, you know, they've been crucified on social media. Like it's, it just, it's, you've got to be so careful and you feel so safe, but you're, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of damage you can cause, yeah. I think. And you've got to be like, careful. The last thing, the last thing a patient or someone like from the public would want to feel is going to their GP and their GP talking to them like a bloody Herbalife salesman. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like trying to sell them something with every opportunity. And it's mad because with, with the title of being a doctor, mate, you have my trust like this, right? Like, it, it, it must be a natural thing where you talk to someone when you tell them you're a doctor that their trust for you it must shoot up like just like that right and then yeah like it, and and you have to take that with the responsibility that it comes with like you can't just take advantage of that and go okay cool this person trusts me so i'm gonna use it to make money yeah you know? and that's just me again like i don't want to come across as judgmental and, and judge other people but it's part of our professional um like you know our professional um boundaries and principles yeah. that we don't bring our profession into disrepute and we we behave professionally and if we if we are presenting ourselves as a doctor like my name is is doctor on social media unfortunately like yeah. and 
so I, you know, the idea that you're, you're representing your profession when you're in that situation. So you can't, you know, you can't be seen to be doing things that are, I guess, unprofessional. No, no, 100%. Within reason. No, I get you, I get you. And I don't think, you're not coming across any way, mate. I think you're I right. hope not. No, not at all. And even if you did, fuck him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Standard. Like, because at the end of the day, like, you're obviously, and you can tell that from your tone, the way you are. But it's just the mad thing is, I feel like some people now have become experts when they've got a blue tick or an expert when they've got a certain amount of followers, as well as the doctor title and using it to their advantage in, and I'm not saying they shouldn't use it to their advantage, but maybe not in a way, like you said, if you are a doctor, you have certain responsibilities to kind of serve the public in the right way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's about like, for me, it's about dissemination of decent information, like education, using, using, like using my, like that social media platform as a way to advocate for things that are important, you know, like talking about mental health and talking about stuff like that. I would rather be, I'd rather be talking about mental health and making people feel better about things yeah. than making, you know, doing a, doing a sponsored post, yeah. you know, for, for stuff that I don't really think is important. If yeah. like, and I, like, if you think something's really important, then great. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. What, um, what do you think about these virus experts? Hmm. It's, <laughs> it's interesting because like it's, you know, it, it's so difficult to actually find any decent information at the moment. Like yeah. I'm even struggling like in terms of trying to figure out what's going on because there's so much conflicting information. It's wildly conflicting. And yeah. then even the people that you then, you then think that certain people should be talking sense and even they're not talking sense. So you're like, oh, I don't really know where to look. So there's, for me, there's a few, a few accounts that I trust um, when it comes to, to COVID information and the rest I try and disregard, but it's very, very difficult to try and disregard information that is put right in front of you everywhere you look because do you guys do you guys get like a like a vip <laughs> with <laughs> with information compared oh, to because yeah. yeah. we're all paid off by the big pharma and all of that kind of stuff so we just get planted these conspiracy theories to to, to, to just no i'm joking but basically we do i mean there is a lot of information like especially when it all first started like my NHS email was just inundated, like daily updates, daily updates. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is how many beds we've got. This is, this is that, this is the other. And it, it almost became like, it was overwhelming to me. Like it, it was, freaked was me it out. the, was it the same numbers you were seeing on the news? Yeah, it was. It oh was. really? Okay. There you yeah. Go. And, and I think that the, the, there have been a couple of things that I think have been a bit twisted. Like, so I think that the way that the deaths were recorded was a, was a bit inaccurate, but it was something that we sort of, even I didn't realize that that was happening. I was like, oh my God, all of these like COVID deaths. And then, and then because people were accusing doctors of like doctoring death certificates basically and signing stuff off as this is like, as COVID being the cause of death. And I was like, I, no one I know would ever do that even if they asked us to. And no one has asked us to like I would know that because I yeah. would have like I would have been one of the people who would have been asked to do it yeah but actually what turned out that was happening is that when people were were dying even if COVID wasn't necessarily the cause of death if they had COVID within the last 28 days of their life 
they if they had like a positive COVID test, it was counted as a COVID death in the statistics, but not as the cause of death, if that makes sense. That is mad. It was so, thought to be COVID related. So if um, I had if I had COVID, right, and I left the hospital to go home and I got run over by a bus, what would it get down as? Well, it, the cause of death would be run over by a bus on your yeah. death certificate. Would yeah. not run over by, you know, what I mean, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but in the statistics that were done with regards to, it was based on like deaths that had positive COVID because it was just a statistical number. Okay. Um, and so that was that was I think that caused a lot of a lot of um, panic. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just panic, but it was a lot of mistrust as well because when because they were honest about it. Like when they were asked about it, they were like, oh no, it's just everyone who's had this, you know, it was, it was Public Health England said it. Yeah. yeah but it yeah, was yeah. like, people were like, whoa, when they said it, they were like, but hang on, that's not, a, that doesn't count. Yeah. So I think it caused a lot of confusion. Um, and I think that, you know, like a lot of, a lot of seeds have been planted by, you know, like the way that the government have behaved, stories about like high up government members, like not obeying the rules. So what do you think the rest of the public is going to do? Like, it's just, if you're not going to lead by example, you're going to get people questioning things. You're going to get people um, disobeying the rules. And I think it's just been like, it's been really tough to watch yeah. as kind of someone who's on that other side of it, who just like, I really want things to be okay. I want my patients to be okay. I want my family to be okay. I want to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I want the public and the economy to be okay. And I think yeah. like, We've got ourselves arguing as though those are two different things. At the end of the day, if we destroy public health, we destroy the economy. If we destroy the economy, we destroy public health. They are so interlinked that it's not about like people have made it about like lockdown versus freedom. But actually, it's not about that. It's about finding ways to try and balance everything in a way that doesn't cause catastrophe. But there we go. Yeah. Um what do you think of the way Trump has dealt with it in the sense of like, just, what do you think of that? It's just, it's terrifying, isn't it? And I, I think like, it's so hard to, I, I tell you what I find really difficult. We spoke about this on, on our podcast as well. Like it's so difficult for the human brain to get their mind around numbers. When you talk about population level numbers, it's so complicated. Like I remember like having this, I, I went into this massive panic. I remember going to Bristol for the day to meet up with some friends like in, in the middle of March, I think it was. And we were out at lunch, like at a pub and my friend got his phone out as we were leaving and he goes, do you know what? 135 people died of coronavirus in Italy today. And I freaked out. I was like that, the moment he told me that I was like, oh my God, that's so many people, this is happening. Like everyone I love is gonna die. This is really awful, oh my God. Yeah. But, and then when you actually put those numbers into perspective of what things are in the population and, and related to the stuff that you see on the news, you know, it's not, it, it, it's really difficult, I think for, and I don't know, it might just be just me that finds it difficult, but I find it difficult to marry up statistical numbers like population level numbers like people dying in their hundreds of thousands yeah. with what that means to like to me and my environment and my community like you know it, it's it's such a it's such a massive thing and you hear those sorts of numbers coming out of america yeah. and you just think oh, i just you can't fathom that level of of yeah. like disaster but then then people are like but then this many people die of this and it's just yeah really difficult to balance I it's think. mad i feel like you just gotta balance it out with 
what what you kind of look into like yeah like i think I, th I think it's good to look know what's happening but i don't think you should look into it to such an extent where it stresses you out exactly and Maybe. that's that's the difficult balance to find like there was a time when i was i was checking the sky news app religiously because i was just so desperate to see some good news yeah and i was getting to the point where I, like i was i was driving myself like up the wall to be honest yeah i was really like you know because I, I kind of felt like i was really lucky because i knew my job wasn't at risk yeah i also really didn't want to do my job because i thought it was potentially going to be really dangerous and they were yeah. all used was like there's no masks there's no aprons there's no gloves you know doctors are being set like and this is like the worst bit of it was like medical social media like all of the doctors and the nurses like talking about it on twitter going we're all being sent like to the slaughter and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like this is so bad. Yeah, 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 no, I hear what you're saying. But you know, it's, it's mad, it's like the new norm or whatever, like, do you, how do you think, what's, what do you think is gonna happen in the next like few years? What's your opinion on, what do you think is gonna happen? Do you reckon like in a year's time, we're gonna be, it's going to be better. It's going to get worse. You know what? It's crazy. Some people, sometimes I read comments, right? I posted something and there's, there was one comment from someone going, uh, it's just going to get worse. Like it was so negative. <laughs> it was like, I, I blocked them. It was, it was so negative. I was like, she wasn't being, she wasn't being mean to me. She wasn't, yeah. but the comments she dropped was so negative. I was like, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, see you later. Don't ever comment on my post again. <laughs> you know, she was like, yeah, people just need to understand. It's never going to be the same. Never going to be as never going to. And I'm like, fucking hell, mate. Just yeah. But what do you think is going to happen in the next? I mean, look, I, I think that we got to look at a few, a few things. Sometimes I think, okay, right. Let's think about the phrase. It's never going to be the same. What's never going to be the same? Are we going to have to wear a mask on a train? So what? Like, let's say that's what's never going to be the same. Yeah. Big deal. Like, big deal that we wash our hands more often. Big deal that yeah. we are more careful about what we do. But if by never going to be the same, it means we're never going to be able to travel, we're never going to be able to visit our families, then of course that would be horrific. Yeah. But I think, like, I think in some ways it's never going to be the same because it's changed how we think about things. I think it's changed how we think about progress. It's how it's changed how we think about technology. It's changed how we do things. I think people will probably travel less because business will be like, I think people have figured out that they don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money on traveling for business and stuff like that. So I think it will change some things for sure. Um, whether it continues to be as much of a threat I mean, look, I really hope not. Like I, I'm, I'm equal parts optimist and pessimist. So like on one hand, I'm scared of a lot of things. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, it can't stay like this forever. I really hope, you know, like a lot of, you do tend to find with a lot of type of viruses, often they adapt, they evolve and they become less, you know, serious. Fingers crossed vaccination will, will help as well. Like we just, I think we're just at such an early stage in the problem that there aren't those answers yet but they will come with time and and when they do you know they will either be good or bad and i think that, that the fact of the matter is you know like one year ago we didn't even know about this at all yeah six months ago we thought it was going to last four weeks and then everything will go back to normal like people you know we thought ifs was going to happen you know yeah. 
and actually like a lot of that kind of stuff has been has been a really slow burn in terms of information but you know there's two sides of it because people have really struggled and have really suffered but also a lot of people have survived things that they didn't think they would be able to survive and have managed things that they didn't think they'd be able to manage and i think there's a lot to learn from that as well um so i want to be optimistic and i want things to get better and that's kind of what what sort of keeps me going but i think it's i think it's going to be a little bit of a tough well i think it is going to be a tough winter yeah um just and I, i think it's almost like if you know if we'd known it was going to last this long and we'd paced ourselves a little bit better, then maybe things would be slightly different, but I think it's going to be a bit tough, but I hope yeah. that, you know, when the clocks yeah. go back next time, maybe things will be better. Who knows? Yeah. I keep thinking about that. It's only five months until the clocks go forward. Yeah. I, to be honest, and, I think people are going to appreciate things more, you know, like, I hope so. I hope so. I just feel like people just need to chill out, do what they can enjoy the simple things more in a sense like instead of like traveling all of that yeah it's great of course if we couldn't ever do that again it's shit but i think there's always uh, a way around things and i think people in general one of the things they need to concentrate on the most i think now more than ever is their health yeah to just look after their self more and that is all and that is all we can do right exactly exactly now but um dr mike it's been great having you on man it's been um, awesome mate. thank you for having me anytime can you um please tell everyone where they can find you they can find me at dr mike the second which is d-r-m-i-k-e-t-h-e-2-n-d um and that's on instagram and twitter and facebook and stuff and dr mike the second.com for my mailing list i do an email as well like after you guys do all your emails oh wicked I'll do an email but it's yeah, just great it's just a ramble amazing there you go guys and if you're wondering what he looks like if you're watching this on youtube or whatever if you go on his instagram he looks related to me so i'm sure you won't miss that (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys for listening make sure you subscribe to the channel make sure you tell your friends yeah because i'm the next fucking london joe rogan peace and love thank you for listening